0: Welcome to The Darkened sure. Hour. Welcome to another episode of The Darkened Hour. I'm your host, Adam Fitzgerald. And for the first time in the show's history, I have a reoccurring guest. And I couldn't have asked for a better guest to talk about the issues of two things, the FBI encore files and the latest Drail files, Anthony Schaefer. Anthony Schaefer is the president of the London Center of Policy Research, a New York Times bestselling author and CIA-trained intelligence operations officer with 35 years of experience in global and national security. In his think tank work, he is an advisor to the senior members of the White House, the intelligence community, Pentagon, and key members of Congress. He also works with the National Geographic as an advisor, producer, and co-producer of the series Chain of Command. In 2017, he became the Homeland Security Advisor to the Stafford County Sheriff's Department in Virginia and works as its member of the NYPD Counterterrorism Bureau's expanded task force. His New York Times, and international best memoir, Operation Darkheart, Spycraft, and Special Ops on the Frontlines of Afghanistan and the Path to Victory, provides an unprecedented look at intelligence operations during a period in the Afghanistan War in 2003. Anthony, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show.
1: Uh, Adam, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me back. Uh, as the first uh, repeater, déjà vu all over again, as a certain great uh, baseball coach once said. So
0: yes, indeed, Yogi Berra. <laughs> uh, and and I, I, you know, we were talking before I pressed record, and I I wanted to reach out to you when the the the, the declassification of, of encore came out. Yeah. But when Castro file came out, I I my re- I was like, oh my god, what a bombshell. Um. And so my I guess my first question would be uh when it was released uh how much of an effect does this have regarding the investigation 9 911 and what did this mean to you um
1: I think I think the um the actual effect or my belief is there's a mountain of evidence now coming to the forefront that shows that multiple opportunities will be polite to examine the framework of the 9 plot. The whole plot was available long before disclosed by the government. Hmm. And um, we, I, I think we able danger with the canary in a coal mine. And let me explain what I mean by that. Cause, uh, there were other, there's clearly other things out there. You just talked about one of the things that just finally came out. But it, it was pretty clear, Adam, that the 9 11 Commission's job was to create a, a solid dam around the narrative, basically to come out there and make sure that anything that went against the narrative was pushed way back. They didn't know about us. Uh, We were an anomaly. We were so far off the reservation, for better or for worse, people didn't know that we were doing what we were doing. So when it came time for the investigation, none of us had signed non-disclosures. None of us had been told not to do it. We we were just so small. It took time for us to get uh, exposed to the 9-11 commissioner. So what we did was kind of penetrate that overall dam. And now it's like a trickle, like little things are coming up. Little by little, things are, are, are rising up. And uh, I think that's what we're talking about here with the FBI information. It's like, yeah, there was there was other indicators. Uh, Colleen, Rowley, uh, Colleen Rowley was another whistleblower who mm-hmm. attempted to put information up front. And I actually did a talk with her, man, 12, 11, 12 years ago oh, in wow. the 9-11 anniversary, the, the year my book came out, Operation Darkheart. And um, it was very clear that, Any information that contradicted or factually refuted the the 9-11 commission narrative was not welcome. And anybody who spoke against it, even now, even Mm -hmm. now, if you go say things that contradict the 9-11 commission uh, thing, it's considered disinformation and uh, people are the algorithm goes against their videos. We were just talking about Stephen. uh, Right. Stephen Gardner, Stephen Gardner uh, actually had the the cojones to ask me questions about this a while back out of the blue. And next thing you know, uh, people you know, YouTube went crazy over our conversation and all I did. And it, it's out there for people to watch. I think you've watched this. Like I just restated what I've stated multi- probably a half a dozen times already publicly. And yet somehow that was against. So uh, I think that's the effect here, Adam, is that things it's like the dam had to be broken. And Little by little, things are coming through. I'm just looking forward to the day when finally the whole dam just the whole thing collapses on its own weight and, and all the truth gushes out. So
0: let me follow up to that too. Sure. Are, are you expecting more information to come from Canastreo in the future? Oh yeah, no doubt. So uh, full
1: disclosure: I, I I've talked to Don. I was called in eleven years ago. I, I don't think I'm saying it's not it's not already been out there, but the 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 um, the military commission's defense organization, which Don Canestrano uh, uh belongs to, is the defense team of the 9/11 uh, plot hijackers. Whatever you call it, the guys who planned it—they uh, were the group who were originally arrested as uh, under the original uh, author- authorized use of military force (AUMF) that was used to breach. Uh, Afghanistan, going to Pakistan, all these things back in 2001, 2002, 2003. So that's, he's one of the investigators helping defend them. And I was asked about 11 years ago by Don and the team, it's like, would you be willing to assist us? And I, you know, I mean, I don't, I, I got to be honest with you, I wasn't reluctant at all. It's like, uh, sure, your guy, you know, as much as I think your clients are guilty, uh, I think there's a lot of things that, that have not been disclosed. And and basically their theory. And I, again, I don't think I'm giving up anything that's not obvious already. Their theory is the government, U.S. government was a co-conspirator in the attacks. That's it. That's that's mm-hmm. the bottom line that. Yeah, that while their guys are probably guilty, uh, I'm not here to judge that, I you know, I I, I can only go with what the public uh, disclosures are regarding their role. Uh, I have no inside knowledge on that. What I do know is that that my personal experience indicated to me through Able Danger and the cover-up after that, yeah, the government uh, had a full knowledge, full knowledge of hmm. of a number of the 9-11 hijackers to include uh, the patterns of behavior, locations, the fact that we had we had invested. This is one of the facts, Adam, that people tend to forget. Able Danger is not so much about the fact we knew about the hijackers. It's about the fact that, that the Department of Defense to Hugh Shelton to, the, to President Clinton had invested a blue ribbon team to go and, and be prepared to kill them. Remember, that, I mean, this was this was a military operation, so it wasn't just, oh, we were curious about nine eleven about hmm. Al Qaeda. They had invested a, a, an entire operational set of of missions to go kill Al Qaeda because they thought it was that great a threat. And so people tend to forget it's like, oh yeah, uh, that data mining. Uh, they hmm. were were skeptical. They found Mohammed Atta. It doesn't matter if you if you believe it or not. The fact is, the United States government saw that Al Qaeda was a significant threat enough that we put together a black special operations team to be prepared to kill them. And, and that, that that very fact seems to be kind of oh yeah, no big deal. Huh. How do you miss that? Hmm. How do you miss that being a key issue? And yet nobody wants to talk about that. But but beyond that, yeah, we did through the data mining find the the, the cells of the 9/11 hijackers. And again, we weren't the only ones. I think others did too. And I think that's what's going to be trickling out more and more. As we get uh, get people more and more sensitized to coming out, and I think Don Don and his team will be pushing a lot more out because they're the ones who have the charter, the budget, and the and the motive. I mean, their their motive is to defend their their clients to get information out because any the more information they can get out on this that relates to the fact that the government was either negligent or a co-conspirator will help uh, help their defense, and I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, uh, let me touch on when when you say co-conspirator, what do you mean by what what type of level of uh, is it foreknowledge or complicity?
1: So that's the question: uh, is it foreknowledge or is it complicity? So could be the, both. Well, the, so the FBI documents that Don is and CI documents that we Don's talking about, and also Catherine Herridge from CBS, she was at Fox at the time when she was reporting reported on Anwar Al-Awlaki. Mm. Anwar Al-Awlaki was the cleric in San Diego who got rolled up by the FBI at a massage parlor. I just, you know, maybe Muslim ca- clerics are different than Catholic clerics. I've I don't I don't story. know these things. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a religious guy, so I don't know. But anyway, they rolled him up and they said, you're going to work for us from here on. And then during the time that he was an FBI informant uh, after, in, the, in the late 90s, somehow magically, Adam, two of the 9-11 hijackers show up and he escorts them around. I mean, uh, that's a pretty big deal. That's Khalid
0: Al-Midar in the Wapah hospital.
1: Exactly. So how do you not notice that the FBI somehow uh, was running uh, Anwar al-Awlaki and these guys were being escorted around? Nothing like that ha- happens randomly, Adam. So that, that indicates to me that there was some level of, of at least uh, complicity, if not cooperation, by the FBI. I'm just telling yeah. you. I mean, and then if you expand that out to the other sectors, the CIA, the things that Don was talking about, it gives a really dim picture. Uh, regarding the government and, and its role in this, and I, you know, one of the theories. I, now, I, I rarely theorize. and I'm going to do this on your show, and I, I don't like theorizing because uh, I, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I've, I've been, I've worked very hard not to be a conspiracy guy. But my right. belief, based on what I'm seeing, is that that uh, the government may well have been involved. To, I mean, the, the government was involved. Let's just let's just state that the government was involved hmm. with the 9/11 hijackers. That's one of the reasons. Like within two days, they had identified every one of these knuckleheads by name uh, and address right after the 9 11 attacks because they knew who they were. And that, that's again, that was like they, were, they announced it. So, my belief is that the government, somehow, like many things the FBI does, they were trying to prompt it. They were trying to poke these guys to do something. And it happened in a catastrophic way that they did not anticipate, that was much greater. So, uh, much like the FBI will take and use informants. Uh, like the 93 hijackers, I mean, I mean, sorry, the 93 bombers and, and world mm-hmm. trade, they had those guys pretty well penetrated and, and they, that happened anyway And the same thing here. I think they were, they were, uh, fully witting that the, these guys were plotting and the plot may have gotten away from them. but anyway, you cut it, the FBI was involved in the nine 11 attacks.
0: Yeah. I've always said, uh, you know, to, uh, people in my circles that, you know, I can make a great case, a great argument. That the intelligence services, and we're just stick with the domestic here. Mm-hmm. The, the domestic intelligence services basically um were knowledgeable about at least two of the hijacks that was, Khalid Albinard and right. and later on Hani Hanjur, and then you have the uh, Hamburg cell at East. Right. And, you know, at the same time, now this is of course, I'll speculate along with you, so you won't be uh, the, alone on the man of your own island. So I, I happen to think that. The NSA, which is the one agency hardly anyone ever talks about, basically heard about the plot at the Yemen hub, or one because they were also monitoring Bin Laden's satellite phones when he right. was in Sudan and, and later in Afghanistan. Right. I happen to think that Al Qaeda was talking about plots. Now, it's a daring charge. I don't have evidence for it, but if they want to manipulate the plot and take advantage of it, well, this would fit well with the latest Canastreo files and. Uh, what we've learned from Operation Encore. Right. Um, And I don't think it's too irresponsible to theorize this way when we talk about, you know, scenarios like this. But, I mean, it fits right well with the evidence that we have so far at our disposal. So let me add
1: an aspect that may help you on your theory, because I think Mm. you're on the right track. The classified holdings of Able Danger, when we moved the operation down to Garland, Texas, one of my unit's tasks was to move the a copy of the NSA database. The was I that, mean the whole was thing. Was
0: Stratus Ivy, by the way?
1: Stratus. Well, yes, my unit. So, just to the audience to know, I ran a special mission unit called Stratus Ivy. Stratus Ivy was um, uh, my command. I was in command of a unit that did uh, black operation support, everything from remote viewing, and I'm not joking, remote viewing, the the X Files type stuff, <laughs> all the way to uh, enabling operations for uh, supporting. Weaponized technology. We we did everything that everybody was afraid of. Just you know, because we didn't care. We you know. By by the way, our motto, uh our motto was on on our uh, on the right, right there's the thing. Our our motto was raising it was in Latin, by the way, but our motto was raising our leg on a frightened world. Just just it was just kind of a funny thing. <laughs> anyway, uh Stratus Ivy was assigned a concierge and operation support role to Able Danger. That's how I came into it. I came into it both as a reservist. I was a major at the time. My reserve duty was spent supporting Able Danger, as well as my civilian role, which is GS-14, senior intelligence officer, which was to run this task force, to run Stratus Ivy. And so part of what I accepted, I mean, it was kind of funny. I could task myself, you know, uh, to do these things. So part of my job was to facilitate the transfer of the entire NSA database from NSA down to Garland, Texas for Special Operations Command. And that the purpose of that, Adam, was to take the unclassified three ter- three plus terabytes of data. I mean, this was huge amounts of data for the yeah, time. It took different. us six months. Back then, you couldn't do three terabytes in, in an hour. It took us six months using spiders and Lloyds of London databases using researchers to go into the mosques to get their records, all this data, unclassified data. And then the, the NSA data and the DIA data was used to confirm or refute the open source. So basically it would come together behind a classified wall. And right. there was a, a confirmation process going through to, to from using the, to, the, the top secret data to confirm. Right. So some of that had to do with intercepts from different parts of the world to confirm the links. So when we talk about links, we talk about the summary of our conclusions. We can't get into details how we arrived at those, but I'm kind of telling you how we did. We basically took the top sec- the, the, the unclassified data, compared it to the top secret data, and those data sets which were, were which overlapped, we considered confirmed. So that's a large part of what we did regarding target for the targeting packages we were putting together.
0: And let me go back in time for a little bit because this is this is one area I, I desperately wanted to speak with you on. That's Operation sure. Concord. And when Operation Concord started, what was it, 2007, 2006, 2007, um, it was led by the San Diego FBI agent, Danny Gonzalez, and a handful of other New York City agents as an extension of sorts from the previous FBI investigation, Bentbong. Mm-hmm. And what I would like to, uh, I would like to get your thoughts on you know, and there was I, I'm halfway through, and it was eight thousand files. Uh, I think it was like fifteen thousand, fifteen thousand five hundred something files, and I, you know, I, you probably didn't read all of it, so no, but but you were aware of the operation. What are your thoughts about the encore documents documents uh, that were uh, released under the Biden administration in twenty twenty one overall? So well, um,
1: as you know, part of One of my partners in crime on this is the late Walter Jones, God rest his soul. Walter, as you probably remember, was instrumental in getting the classified FBI documents finally declassified, which indicated the Saudi Arabians were involved. So this, I think, directly relates to that by the fact that I think the FBI has had a number of of areas which they've been reluctant to admit certain uh, knowledge they had either mm. before, after, or during the 9-11 attacks. And of course, the role of the Saudis is one of the uh, the third rail issues that they don't want to talk about. So uh, the fact that uh, I think the, the Encore files an operation uh, tends to confirm the the deepest and darkest suspicions of a lot of folks right after 9-11, which was the Saudis funded the whole thing. The Saudis were essentially that indispensable partner that allowed for all of it to go. And remember, at one point adam they had a shot at bin laden in, in afghanistan on a, yes. on a uh i think they were out doing uh um with the birds what do you call it when they had the birds and they're doing oh, uh, um
0: this is yeah bin laden's uh falconing falconing, falconing. yeah
1: and the the chief of saudi intelligence is right next to him and, and that was the reason they decided not to take the shot because they would have killed the saudi well there there's a clue for you right there
0: right
1: that the chief of saudi intelligence is talking to bin laden so And we didn't kill him. I mean, we could have because we had the finding. The finding existed. Alex Station had the finding to kill bin Laden. He was in the open. That's correct. And we didn't do it. So so that so you have to ask yourself why. So this information, uh, I think, uh, illustrates the the, and that is to say the the information related to Encore illustrates with great detail uh, beyond the Anwar al-Awlaki issue. Beyond some of the things Don Conestrano said, that the FBI had a direct uh, and uh, undeniable contact with the, those who were involved in the attacks, and that's and, and that's significant. Now, the question becomes: Who else in the FBI knew about it? Right. I don't think, for example, Louis Louis uh, Free knew about it. Uh, Louis actually did an editorial supporting me when uh, when the nine eleven when when we testified back in two thousand five two thousand six. So. The question becomes, and I do b- believe this is to be true. I think certain seniors don't even know some of the things their own agency is doing, and I tend to believe that whatever was going on here, the the the, the folks on, on the top floor were not aware of it because they, if they were told about it, they may well have done something to stop it or involved involved themselves in it. So I think there's there's some real indicators here that some some entity within FBI uh, tied to other government agencies, and again, I hate to sound conspiratorial, but no. It seems to me that there was a larger, a, a whole of government effort to facilitate these guys being led around and preparing for them to have access to the, to the uh, the aircraft uh, on the nine eleven for the nine eleven attacks. So
0: I'm, you know, i mean, preaching to the choir here because yeah. I've interviewed, you know, Colleen Raleigh, Ken Williams, uh, Mark Rossini, and these are all whistleblowers as well. I mean, you had others like Robert Wright Jr. from Chicago. I mean, there right. were people trying to warn uh, their superiors about and you Know a growing number of Arab fundamentalists training at flight schools and uh connections inside the United States, right? Now, to to, to um, you, you know, you talk about uh, don't sounding too conspiratorial. Well, Fahad Nazir, who's a spokesman for the Saudi embassy in Washington, he went on the public record saying that any suggestion that um Saudi Arabia aided the 9 11 plot was rejected by the 9 11 Commission in 2004 and also by the FBI and the CIA in their own reports of 2005 and a second independent commission in 2015. So it, it wasn't, it, it's not, you know, this ain't no, uh, you know, fictitious fringe conspiracy. This is actually on the record. Yeah. And you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a wide widespread conspiracy because there has to be at some level and we're just, you know, we we we, we could section off the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, at some level, some of those people in those agencies made a conscious decision to either withhold uh, information, yes stop nine eleven or acted on the information, but didn't. Would that be a fair assessment? I think it's a fair assessment. So
1: um again, it's like we uh, the opening of the conversation and my metaphor of the dam kind of beginning to break. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of folks saw a lot of things before nine eleven. and and there's some folks that made some pretty outlandish, claims. I don't want to get into too far into some of these things, but some of those things need to be investigated. And other folks who had direct knowledge try to go up the chain of command. And and look, I was, and this is my defense, Stratus Ivy, we were running, we were running probably a dozen and I only had uh, to do global, we were doing everything global. I mean we had a, a a unit that was doing global operations with 15 people. And if you took the reservists I had, we maybe maybe had 25. And within the holdings of Stratus Ivy, um, we had uh, three operational locations and uh, we were running some of the most classified black operations ever. I mean, some of these things are still completely, we just can't talk about them. But the idea was, Able Danger was just one of about eight major initiatives. And so we were, everything was important. So when you got everything is important, what's the most important? So when we did it, the, the Able Danger, the 9-11 guys, the, that whole issue was like one of, of things. There was a number of things that could, that could always bite us. I'm just saying there's, you know, the the Iranians, the North Koreans, the Chinese, okay. the Russians. We were doing a little bit of all that and just just saying. And so uh, when it's all important, how do you focus on what's most important? And I suspect that other folks were the same way, Adam. If you're actually doing your job in the government, it's hard because you're fighting the bureaucracy constantly. Mm. If you have information that, that that your boss doesn't want to hear, you're going to be chided for it. Uh the, the folks who do the best, like John Brennan, Jim Clapper, they're the ones who always will never talk about bad news to their principals because they want to get promoted. They will they will purposely compromise their integrity for, for purposes of personal gain. They do. That's how they get to where they're at. So yeah. people like me are inconvenient because I just don't care. I'm not, I don't, if I get promoted, that's great. If I don't. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. my job is to do my job. And I suspect others who were uh, like like minded were just like, I'm just trying to do my job. I am just trying to get the information out. I'm not trying to seek promotion. I'm certainly not going to get promoted if I say things that, that my leadership don't want to hear. But that's the purpose of, of being a sworn intelligence officer. Adam, you're supposed to do that. So I suspect these other folks are, are kind of the same dilemma. It's like, you know, do I say something or not? Because I've seen what happened to others when they've come forward. And it's not a pretty picture. You're going to get pilloried no matter what. Uh, And I think that's the thing. So I'd like to believe people are going to continue to be encouraged by others coming forward by people like Don Canestrano saying things that that echo the fact that other folks know the truth out there. And I think little by little, we're going to chip away at that that dam of the 9-11 commission, uh, of the, you know, of the...
0: one one name that came up in the encore files and one name that was prominent with Donald Castrero was Omar al-Bayoumi. And one incredible finding in the encore investigation, I, I remember going nuts when I read it, uh, was when Bayoumi left for his home in Birmingham, England in 2001, the, uh, Scotland Yard actually investigated uh, Biomi after the 9-11 attacks. So they went to his house. And incredulously, a detective found a spiral notebook that contained a hand-drawn aviation diagram of a plane descending to strike a spot on the ground. Now, one FBI agent had studied aeronautical engineering and concluded that the diagrams in the notebook showed a formula for an aerial descent Similar to that of Flight 77 into the Pentagon, yeah. Before it struck the Pentagon, now apparently the notebook and its contents went unnoticed after Bayoumi's detention, and nobody looked at it ever again, including the FBI who are aware of this. Yeah.
1: Look, uh, Adam, <laughs> the FBI, <laughs> the modern FBI, a a, a an action passed this is an action completed. If they looked at it once, like oh, okay, nothing
0: here. Right.
1: There's no intellectual curiosity. I, I know from having dealt with FBI on uh, human trafficking issues, they don't want to deal with things which are controversial. They will. I was talking to one of the the, the folks over there, one of their senior executives he says, Tony, when you make a call, you demand that they do something. All they're going to do is do a memo saying on this date, I spoke to X and Y I did this and they send it in. That's it. Hmm. There's no, they, they don't want to go beyond anything they have to do because doing more for example, here, if they had taken that and started asking questions, they would immediately have immediately been sat on because, you know, how dare you start believing there's a conspiracy bigger than what you're doing here? So uh, there's no upside to trying to put pieces together. They've completely removed from the FBI any ability for them to think creatively or, or actually do investigations. It's all about uh, the, a rigid set of, of operational directives that focus on a handful of issues, none of which are controversial, none of which are going to get them in trouble. And all they do is the truth. All they do is seek to get mm. convictions with the DOJ. That's it. And and they have to go in with overwhelming evidence. So something like this, which is soft. Uh, I had a friend of mine, a very close friend who ran, who was part of the transition where the FBI started doing counterterrorism stuff. I can tell you for a fact it was difficult because they're used to having a case assignment, a, a, an open case, a 201. And basically, that case is open until they either close it because there's no evidence or they close it because of a conviction. That's it. There's always some outcome. Terrorism uh, investigations, counterintelligence investigations. You don't always have that. So it's a, it's a bit more of a, a soft thing, and it's a very difficult thing to thing to do. So
0: I mean, even if they just did uh, you know, a follow up, they would have known that Omar al-Bayoumi was the Saudi agent that was facilitating yeah. the arrival of Khalid al midar Nawaf al-Hazmi. Right. But they and didn't want the same, to, and at the same time, the CIA is withholding that information from the FBI at the Bin Laden issue station. All right, I don't think they wanted to know. Again, I I
1: remember back some of the stuff we were doing. I um, I had to recount when I was talking to Stephen Gardner. At my meeting with Dave Ralph. Dave Ralph was the Central Intelligence Agency rep to Special Operations Command in 1999 when we started all this, and um, I had to outline. What able Danger was to him, I had to basically brief him. Now, Dave, I like Dave. Please don't take any of my comments as being critical of Dave. I like Dave a lot. He was a retired. Uh, uh, he, he came out of the army, out of the Army uh, Case Officer program, and went into the CIA. So I had a lot of respect for him. Uh, Dave basically said that because there, because Alex Station was the lead for the finding. That is to say, the you know finding means you can you have the right to assassinate him. Uh, because CI had that lead, they would never cooperate with us, with DOD, because we were compet- We were seen as competition for them. So there would be no cooperation or information sharing because it was just basically, you know, you're on your own. We're doing our thing. And and Dave was very direct about it. And again, I don't blame him. He's like, he was just honest, like, no, unless you get General Pete Schoomaker, the commander of Special Operations Command, to talk to George Tennant directly, there'll be no cooperation unless those two can break through the firewall even Tenet told me one time during a meeting with him uh because i was complaining about something that 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 they were supposed to do to help us on one of my my operations mm-hmm. and he basically said yeah i can't get him to do things sometimes
0: <laughs> what does that even mean i wasn't even
1: mean so i i'm just saying that you know uh these guys are not they're not designed uh to go out there and be curious or try to put things together everybody gets in their little silos Mm-hmm. And they seem to be very focused in that. So,
0: and you know, and I can understand why certain people could say or or believe in certain conspiracies about oh, one thing you know, maybe they wanted the attacks to happen and whatnot. And I really can't argue against this because, boy, do they give the clues that they really tried their best not to investigate, right. not to impede or interfere with these people. Right. And,
1: um, and again, and and one of the things that I think I mentioned last time when we talked about able danger there was one aspect there's there's two aspects of able danger which are still beyond top secret which i still can't get into but one of them had to do with the fact that we had contemplated do, stopping these guys directly if need be that is to say that there was a specific plan within the context of able danger if nobody else acted to just go take them out right. because that was how concerned we were so again adam it's not like we didn't recognize that something was going on we actually on our own or i should say special operations command on its own decided rightfully we're going to put together a capability to go take care of these guys if everything else fails which i think is the right thing to do and again history would have been a lot different if uh permission had been granted for us to go do something about it because that again the whole opera the whole concept was offensive operations against al-qaeda that's what we were we were supposed to be standing on 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 edge leaning forward to go after these guys and we were all mystified it's like how come we couldn't go kill them because we would have um, tr- trust me the, the guys i deal with would love a shot to go out and kill these guys before nine eleven. there was no oh
0: absolutely there, so. look you know you had george tenet declaring war on al-qaeda in 1999 right. i right. mean for goodness sakes it's no secret i mean right. you know but the, again you know it's all all act—it's all words and no action uh, right. regarding this.
1: Well, so, again, but let me be very clear on that. It was the seniors above us.
0: Uh, well, yes, right. We were right, fighting right, to the
1: right. very end to do something about these knuckleheads. But yes,
0: right. Not the foot soldiers who were willing no. to do something about. Right. It. So you know, in the Encore file, too, and this is sensitive. At the time, it was sensitive because the FBI tried their damnedest to hold this guy's name uh, secret from the public. Um, there was a partly declassified page of the Encore file. Um, that cited evidence that a Saudi official um, whose name was all redacted in the encore file, but his name was left unredacted, I think on purpose, in a court filing in the Southern District of New York. This person tasked uh, Fahad al-Tamari and Omar al-Bayoumi with assisting Khalid al-Badar and while they entered the United States. Now, right. for those who don't know, Fahad al-Tamari is the imam at the King Fab Mosque in Culver City. And Omar al-Bayoumi is an associate of De Demary. Now, nobody knew his name until that court filing came out. And his name was Mouassad al-Jara. And he's the former director of the Islamic Affairs at Saudi Arabia's Washington, D.C. office. And he has a huge connection. In the Encore Files itself, uh, Anthony, it basically says, and this is the FBI's talking, right? They basically found out that this guy basically had connections with terrorist groups Including Al Qaeda, and would hire extremist Wahhabi clerics in embassies and and mosques throughout the United States. Right, that's coming from the Honor Corps files now. Right, his his identity uh, again was kept from the government. Government kept this information from the public, even from the nine eleven victims' families' law firm, Creedler and Cree. Crid- I mean, for God's sakes, and and it's a huge now. His name is public, but I mean even even I, I can understand why the public doesn't need to to see it or whatnot, but the victims' families not to know because they pressured right the the um the uh the Obama and Trump and Trump administrations, but they were again protecting protecting their interests yeah, and uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that
1: so again, it goes back to the reluctance from those who were in official governance to um confirm any factual link between uh, those who funded the attacks and our government i think our government was far more uh, directly involved in this because of the amount of of either uh, so- sources and methods that's a popular right. term that chris right. ray doesn't want to talk about well what you're seeing here is sources and methods gone wrong i mean if you mean, think about it they talk about oh we don't want to talk about so well you're looking at it here you're looking at how bad it can go with people who are either committed to the destruction of the United States or completely oblivious to, to what they're doing, I, I think it's the former, not the latter. I think they knew what they were doing. This is sources of methods right here.
0: It's yeah, like, I, I, Adam, no, I, this is
1: this is like that 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 uh, scene in um, th- Close Encounters of the Third Kind where you know Richard Dreyfus is building that potato, that potato. It's yeah. <laughs> like this means something. This means something. This that's is right. important. This is this is that that mound. This is sources of methods this is what happens when they're forced to disclose it and it's not it's not a pretty picture because it's all wrong here so the families deserve to know and more importantly it adds to a pattern of wrongdoing by the federal government the fbi in particular showing that they were either complicit or uh incompetent or complicit i think it's complicit because i think again if you don't know what these guys are going to do if they are given the opportunity then there's something really wrong i think they knew that they were poking the bear and they wanted the bear to go do what it did. So
0: I can't disagree with this. You know, and I'm very I'm, and people who know me, I'm very strict when it comes to speculation and conjecture, yeah. and, you know, but I I cannot disagree with this notion because now with more information coming out over time, I'm like, wow, they, you know, this is enormous amount of information that they had at their disposal. Of they course. didn't even act on it. Right. So. I mean, in 20, look, I'll even give you. Like, we're throwing dirt on people. Might as well keep going. So, in 2019, September of 2019, uh, President Trump had met with victims' families, and they told him, "Can we have more uh, information about um, this? Whoever this Saudi official was, Trump promised him that he would, but somebody down the line went against Trump." Right. And redacted the information. And that was Attorney General William Barr. Yeah. And he well, gave a public statement about it, too. Yeah. No, let's look very c- good with state secrets.
1: I've had my run ins with Bill Barr myself. So, I you know, I tell me about they're it. they're very public. Yes. So. So, uh, look, I again, this goes back to this. There's some shadowy entity within the government that is unaccountable to either political party. They do their own thing. And I think right. Bill Barr was part of it. Uh, again, I'm speaking from direct, direct, uh, you know, having Bill Barr call and yell at me over the fact that I was trying to have a whistleblower report on something, and I was ordered uh, to, you know, to give him up, and I didn't, and I got fired. So, you know, trust me, this is something I've <laughs> suffered a couple of times now.
0: Right, right.
1: And Bill Barr, Bill Barr, Chris Ray, uh, there's, uh, and there's, there's folks within the federal government who are committed to a certain direction of things, no matter which political party's in charge. And it would, you know, Trump, I I think Trump was trying to do the right thing. Uh, You know, full disclosure to your audience, you know, I was a national security advisor to Trump 2020. I advised a number of folks within his administration, Uh, but I do believe uh, based on my own direct experience regarding Bill Barr and election issues and able danger, that uh, no, there are things within the government that just decide uh, we're just going to do something this way and we don't care what we're told to do and that's a very dangerous thing and that includes this issue regarding uh encore with the FBI. This includes issues relating to again, Anwar al awlaki well Adam, why do you think uh, Obama ordered uh, Al-Awlaki's assassination as a as a as an existential threat when he's in Yemen with his son who does that
0: well, he's, huh? and he's an American and he's an American American citizen?
1: What? Who does that? Oh, he's—he was an existential threat. No, he wasn't. He was living in the middle of a desert with his son, probably wishing he actually had his house back in San Diego. I'm telling you right now, that was done as a matter of cleaning up whatever we're talking about here. There Correct. was no reason to assassinate him. That was done with purpose. And again, I am—I am, I am uh, when it comes to this, uh, adamant about the fact that that someone needs to be held accountable for an assassination of American citizen. That to me is unconscionable. That we should never do that. If you're really that worried about that person, we have the best special operations forces in the world that mm. could have captured the guy and brought him back. There's no doubt in my military mind that could have been done. So.
0: Oh sure. And look, you know, and you know uh his son Abdul Rahman al-Hawki, he actually uh was killed separately. He and on top of it just That's to right. throw more mud on Obama here. Obama actually drone strike bolted. Him. In fact, Abdul That's Rahman right. was in a restaurant and six other people were killed with him, and they weren't even with him. They were just sitting near him. So, look, you, I'm, unprecedented. I mean, you know, here's a guy who basically just said to hell with rule of law. Exactly. And, well, would, they, and they, look, I, Christine Fair, a
1: progressive, and I, as a conservative, was on Dylan Radigan's show on MSNBC saying, and I was saying, this is stupid. We're, we're, stop the droning. It's not helping us. And Christine Fair, a progressive, a Democrat, was saying, oh no, this is the best thing ever. It's like, about a role reversal it's like no i mean it was crazy it was crazy so
0: when when did you become the neocon i mean (laughs) i I just yeah it's a flip it's true but i know it is true i mean for god's sakes yeah so you know so two years later all right here comes the real bombshells the canisterial document yeah um and so in 2016 Uh, for those who don't know, and let me quickly fill you in, 2016, Castro investigated deeply the connection of Saudi intelligence and the CIA involvement with two future 9-11 hijackers, but were al-Qaeda operatives Khalid al-Madar and al-Apa Now, as in the interviews with former, and and he interviewed a number of former FBI, CIA, and 9-11 commission uh, officials that hid their names because they want to come out with their names. And so, they, where they revealed to him that there was an illegal covert intelligence operation in 2000-2001 that included the CIA and Saudi intelligence, the Mahabet, also known as the General Intelligence Directorate, um, that included two known Al-Qaeda, to hell with, you know, armchair quarterback, and we knew they were 9-11 uh, hijackers, but right. they were known Al-Qaeda operatives, just came from a high-level summit meeting in Malaysia, and seen, pictured with the planner, the mastermind of the coal bombing, Tal also known as Otis Right. The FBI was investigating that, too. Now, Khalid Al-Midar, we left a high level, like I said, in Malaysia, and the FBI was investigating all this along with the CIA and the NSA. However, there was a concerted effort by the CIA and the NSA to not share this information with either the State Department or the FBI. Yeah. And it goes a little bit further. And now he says that he says, no, they were actually not only were they doing that, but they were inside the United States. Comp- now, CIA, by law, is not allowed to con- to conduct operations inside the United States. Here they are with the Saudis conducting yeah. and a monitoring operation, of two men that they were hoping to flip. Yeah.
1: So. Uh we're gonna begin. So there's a book out. I don't know if you read it, Peter Peter Lance, my friend Peter Lance did a oh, book yeah. called I, yeah. Triple Cross, how yeah. bin Laden's master. Buffy so Buffy Buffy. highly recommend people read that as a primer to understand kind of the depth of all this because sure. that that all is related. And to your point, there was a lot of belief, uh, Adam, by the big brains of CIA that uh, they were gonna control these guys. I was once told by someone who was close to CIA, he was working with CIA cooperatively. And when I was doing Able Danger, he called me in as a senior executive guy. Hmm. And he said, "Uh, Why are you so focused on Able Danger? I don't understand. These guys, we've got them under control. They're fine. It's like, I don't think that's true. No, no, no. It's it's, these guys, you know, there's so much fundraising. Done by Al Qaeda and its its uh, shadow affiliates. They they would never jeopardize and bite the hand that fed them. And I'm sitting there listening to this guy's like, I don't know where this guy's coming from because this is not the reality I'm seeing from directly uh, you know helping Socom organize going after these guys. These guys are aggressive. It's like ants, like fire ants. They're they're they've they've decided they're going to do something. They're making their lair and they're they're go- reaching out and going to do things. And they're going to bite you. And uh, that's what my my assessment was. And and it was like these guys at the senior at the senior level, to include what we're talking about here, right. all thought they were smarter than the average bearer when it came to Al Qaeda. And I, I think they were either buffaloed. I think they were told by these assets at the Saudi level and that they were told what they wanted to hear or just were stupid. I don't know which it was, but uh, or complicit because, you know, who's to say that they didn't know that they were going to do it and right. let it happen anyway, because. They were definitely in control. And I think that's where Don needs to go with this. Okay, he's, he's, he's made the stipulation. I think it's true. But what do we do now? Where do they go with it? Because really, it's really on them, on Don, to figure out what this means for his clients. Because that's where it needs to go next. And I, I think that's where more information needs to come out.
0: And, I, you know, he brings up a problem regarding uh, the Bin Laden Industry Station, Courtney Balak Station, and, and said that it was very an unusual setup that the the people in charge were analysts yes and that is not usually the case uh regarding can you Michael Schroyer was like,
1: an analyst that's correct yeah and 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 uh, and they were all political look i i'll say something it may get me in trouble but analysts are traditionally way more political than opera, operators you know i'm an operator right right yeah. i tend to just go out and just try to figure things out it's right. you know if you're out if you're if your ass is outside doing things and getting yourself in trouble and going into danger, you tend to be very, very clear on what, on the truth. It's like, yeah, there's bad guys over there and they're going to try to kill me. Analysts seem to always want to overanalyze, if I could coin a term. And yeah, I think Alex station was a, 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 an issue station, not an operational station. Let's be clear on that. And, but they were managing operations. They were, Now I I don't think it was proper. Matter of fact, the only one of the times when uh, things went really bad is when they put an analyst in charge of a, of the station in uh, Saudi Arabia, a guy named John Brennan. You probably heard of him. Of it was during his watch that they had the Kobar Towers attack that, that killed a bunch of Americans. And some say he, he was he knew about that in advance. Just saying. I don't know. So,
0: well, he was also uh, well, Um, what I, I think he was also. uh uh The consular uh, head at the Jetta at uh, Jetta U.S. Uh, consulate, where uh, a number of uh, I think it was 11. Of the muscle hijackers of nine eleven, had gotten their visas to the visa exactly. program.
1: That's another link. Absolutely, yeah, right, yeah.
0: Um, now in the Castro. Now this was a really big bombshell because this involves uh, uh an analyst that hardly anyone knows about. But thanks to Raynaloszilski and John Duffy, uh, they and the two guys are great. They wrote a book called Watchdogs Didn't Bark, and they really pressured the CIA in revealing a name that really put them in big trouble, and they did it anyway. So anyway, um, the FBI, Castro was interviewing an FBI agent who was tasked to the Bin Laden issue station. Yeah, And this agent overheard James Pavitt, the director of operations, discuss with the DCI, George Tenet, about a person who was intentionally kept hidden from the 9-11 congressional investigations, who turned out to be Michelle Ann Casey. And let me tell you why. Now, remember, Michelle, now for those who don't know, Michelle Ann Casey is the one person who told Mark Rossini and Doug Miller not to share the information regarding the Central Intelligence Report about Khalid Almeda and the coming to the United States and that they had due U.S. visas. She got that order from Tom Wilshire, who's the deputy director of Bin Laden issue Station. Yeah. But she told Mark Rossini about this. Now, in the book, uh, Jawbreaker, written by Gary Bernstein, Gary Bernstein actually says when he was heading Jawbreaker, he's replaced by none other than Richard Blee. Yeah. Richard Blee brings with him Michelle and Casey.
1: Yes, of course. Yeah. And, and, and full disclosure, you know, uh, he and I are friends, not not really. Uh, uh,
0: yeah. George, Gary, Burns, right. Gary, Gary
1: and I are friends. Yeah.
0: Poor Ga- and poor Gary, you know, why, I don't know why they, I know why they pulled him off, so that the Blee and Casey doesn't have to uh, come up. Of course,
1: no, he was, him. he was stirring, he, he wanted to go in and get bin Laden. He was stirring right. trouble up. He wouldn't, he wouldn't back off.
0: And he, and he was Damn. that close. And no, by right. the way, that's another story on its own That's way. another story. Uh, that's another story. For yeah. And, and for your have- audience to do, I mean, if you really want to read uh, the,
1: the, the, uh, there was that book that leads up to the 9-11. Is it the, the twin? The, the the dark tower?
0: I think it is. Oh, is that the name? Oh, um, I think you're right. It's, it's, a, it's the like, dark
1: tower. Read the yeah. dark tower. Read Gary Burnson's book, uh, Jawbreaker, and then read my book, Dark Heart. You see the pattern. Right. The, it's this right. the shadow. The shadow of what we're talking about right. is all hidden within those three books. So
0: yeah, right, yeah, I know. Right, because your book actually interlines with Jawbreaker. Right. And I come I, I pick up after Jawbreaker, right. That's so, right, yeah. correct. Now, right. um that, that that's a that was another finding by Canastrello. Now you know, there was another one that another FBI agent tells Canastro that Omar al Albayumi was instructed by Fahd al Dameri to collect as much information from Khalid al-Badar and Hadmi in the hopes of playing a sympathizer to what they were doing here in the United States. Uh what what was their uh, what operations they're running on, if there was any, and whatnot, in the hopes of trying to recruit them as informants, right? wittingly or unwittingly, for the Saudi intelligence run by the CIA, and right, that right. this meeting between the two were seen by eyewitnesses at the King Fob Mosque, for which, uh, again, the Operation Encore Files did mention as well. Right. Now, another FBI agent from San Diego said that not only did the cia do that but they also had a previous intelligence file on al albimi in the 90s yeah i, I, you, I couldn't believe when i read that
1: yeah um it's all related i'm telling you and it's it's all related they knew this and so th- th- this was all a a a large uh spider web that was rove woven deeply these agencies were all doing different things. And remember, another thing that again I will restate because I talked about last time: we Able Danger were outside of the whole mess. We were we we were purposely started completely independent of all this other drama. We we were told start from scratch, figure it out. Right. So everything we were doing was not only compartmented and separate. Uh, we didn't didn't have their information. They wouldn't share it with us. So everything we came up with. Was done through the, the 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 then brand new data mining technology, which now everybody uses, but we were the first to actually use it, right. and then taking what we could get from NSA as the the validator of what we found. We weren't involved in all these uh, reindeer games that CIA and FBI were involved in. Right. As a matter of fact, we were trying to push information in the end over to the FBI uh, to their uh, Bin Laden unit at, at WFO, Washington Field Office, which we were prevented from doing uh, because of the Gorelick memo. But so so this is why people I think May is like, well, wh- how come you guys were separate? Because we were separate because we were designed to be completely separate right. for operational security issues. So so this is where I have no doubt. I have no direct knowledge, but I have no doubt that what Don has reported and what's everything's coming out existed because I know how things work. I know how bureaucracies work. But this is what concerns me as an American citizen and someone who was involved in this and, and had to respond to it is it i think there was a, a naive for those who didn't know what they were doing they were naive right. for those who actually were witting of what was going on were evil because they permitted these things to get in place and and i'm telling you right now if 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 you're dealing with a snake it's going to bite you no matter how well you think you're going right. to train it i and and that's what happened here i think so
0: and not to and it goes deep even with that so now you know we could connect biomi to the government because mm. also in the file itself um, even though it's only 22 pages, this was condensed uh, amazingly. And Kenneth mentions in the document that Omar al Bayoumi was also being paid by the former U.S. Saudi ambassador to the United States, Bandar bin Sultan, through his wife, Haifa bin Faisal, yeah. who had an account through Riggs Bank. And she which, was
1: involved in a lot of that, right.
0: That's correct. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, were even hesitant to hand over uh, providing documents and, and financial records to the FBI right because they were being pressured by mm-hmm. white house officials not to reveal that information right so right again like you said with there's a direct link between US federal government uh, Saudi government and militants inside the United States and and then adam i just asked
1: people to remember the what was the one group of people that george bush bush personally made sure got off on uh, the 12th of september
0: that's the 2001
1: the saudis the saudis he got them all out now why would you do that
0: why would you do that it, it you know richard clark once said um basically that he was he didn't approve of this but he had reluctantly agreed to it to protect saudi interests but the fbi basically did a haphazard uh investigation on, they wanted to do follow-ups with these people that were leaving, yeah. but they couldn't do it to everybody because all they did, you know, basically in the middle of the night. Right, e- exactly. That was, that was that was pressure from Bandar bin Sultan and the United States federal government, Bush and Cheney itself, to protect right. their interests. Exactly. In, exactly. In, in Saudi I, I mean, let me push the envelope even further with you if I may. Sure. Um, <clears throat> now, you also had, this wasn't mentioned in the Castro file, it's not mentioned in the Encore file, but it is mentioned in a memo, random, called the Gerald Shea memo. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I'm not. Okay, Gerald Shea is a retired uh, uh, corporate lawyer out of San Osbeesville, California, and what he did was was basically had a very out of his own dime, by the way. Uh, basically, had a small group, I, I think it was like four or five people, and basically got all the arrest records of. Another foreign intelligence ring, which was even bigger than the Saudis. And that's the Israeli art student ring. And this basically had 200, 250 people that were involved. And they were all living in uh, towns like Houston, Texas and Hollywood, Florida. Mm -hmm. And basically these were towns that also that had the 9-11 hijackers living inside. Right. Was Able Danger aware of this? Was uh, the uh, were you aware of this at all? So as
1: I said before, I mean several times, we were not aware of specific geographic locations up to a certain point because so much of what we were trying to do is understand uh, linkages. And let me re-explain everything for your audience to understand more clearly. The the 93 bombers were the start point. We basically took and looked at each individual and digitized them as their profiles. They said, "Look," we said, "Look, this guy was." Was of this age, he did. He was this religious sect, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We put that into an algorithm, and then we did the searching. Basically, we did all the searching that we talked about—the six months of data—and we looked for five different data points: um, travel patterns, linkages to known uh, Al Qaeda leadership. Uh, Certain training or knowledgeability relating to weapons, arms, or uh, that sort of thing, education, and obviously religious, uh, where they've been relig- you know, regarding mosques, because you know, mo- because the mosque system was being used as a command and control system. That's it. So to to go to that level of knowledge, we didn't know any given day where they were at. That w- if a determination was made that a certain cell was was popping up of interest. That's where you do a targeting package to that, to a specific tiered unit that basically, you know, there's three tiers. So that's how the process works. So no, it, we never got to that level of granularity, unfortunately, not to say we didn't want to, but we never got to that level.
0: You're right. You just never got to that point. Never now, got there. Let, let, let's, let Um. Wh- what do you, what do you think is going to happen next? I mean, first of all, let me get your thoughts on. Yeah. Are you, are you disappointed with the lack of coverage regarding the Castro done?
1: I, I am because I mean, it's to me, this is a, this is a smoking gun, literally a smoking I'm
0: gun. Real, yes. I
1: and uh, I saw it in the media and I sent a note to Don. It's like, wow, that's pretty cool. And, uh, but nobody else seemed to respond to it. And I've, I've sent it to some folks in the mainstream media. They seem to be kind of unfazed by it. And it's really funny because a couple of them like, well, Tony, we don't doubt you. It's like, that's not my point. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not my, it's not the point. You don't doubt me. Right. The point is you should be doing something actively to confirm these other things. It's not about me. It's like, you know, it's like, well, we, we know we, we really believe you told the truth. That's not, that's not it. That's not it. Right.
0: right.
1: There's more out there than my story than enable danger. There's all these other things which need to be woven together. And that's why I did with Stephen Gardner. I, I, and my second interview with Stephen, I said, look, these are all the dangling participles. Uh, the, the, um, the uh, issues relating to decisions to not assassinate bin Laden, the issues of uh, of what's his name, the National Security Advisor going into the National Archives and stealing documents in his socks and underwear.
0: who uh, says Sandy Berger,
1: <laughs> Sandy Berger, who, Sandy. Look, uh, Sandy Berger stole the able danger information. He stole anything that was even slightly uh, representative of the fact that that Bill Clinton was told there were options to do something to stop the 9-11 hijackers that's what they took out that's what he stole he was told by the way both parties supported them going in there uh, anyone else would have been locked up for the rest of their lives to steal top secret sci beyond you know beyond top secret documents and be oh yeah you get your clearance suspended for six months and you get it back who does that so i'm just i if you go through and look at all the dangling participles all these things that are floating out there which uh, have been as pushed out and made unrelated by the narrative. If you actually put it together, if you put together the mosaic, and 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 these pieces start overlapping, you see the pattern, the larger pattern of something, of something. That mashed potato pile. This means something, and it's time. And I think Don is going to continue to push more information out because he's 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 hot on this. Uh, I think he knows way more than he's letting on. I think there's more out there than he can let on at this point. Uh, and I I don't know that. He didn't tell me that. Right. I'm theorizing, I believe, based on, on on conversations I've had in the past, and that, that that it's going to be up to him to break this loose. But yes, I mean, that's a long answer to your question. Like, yes, I'm very disappointed that more people didn't notice. But then again, they didn't notice when John Crane, who was the senior investigator of Able Danger, came out and said, hey, they they, they set up Schaefer. I was part of the setup. We were, we were told to make them look crazy. And yes, we found that the 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 data in this top-secret computer that, that Jim Clapper controlled, but we were told to pretend we didn't see it. I mean, things like that. You know, you'd think people would pay attention, but, you know, what do I know?
0: Let's hypothesize. Sure. What, do you think the latest revelations of Canestro now will pressure the White House to pressure the lawyers to make a deal with the Guantanamo 5 of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, Ramzi bin Al-Shiv, bin Atash, uh, Mustafa Al hasawi and Amara Baluchi. Wow, that's. Will, an, the, will I mean? Will that's an be- excellent
1: question, Adam? I don't know. I mean, this is a point of diminishing returns for the for 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 the government, no matter what, because they're going to have to fisher cut bait regarding prosecuting those guys. I'm one of those. I'm I lean libertarian on this, Adam. The moment you torture someone, you kind of throw out any ability to try them honestly. You know what I'm saying? It's like they were tortured, and so I don't know what they intend to do with that said, and if they're going to go for the defense, they ought to go all the way. It's like, yeah, they should state flat out that the government was a co-conspirator and just see what happens and make it uh, undeniable that that something has to be done. I think you and I have agreed on this. Uh, there needs to be a completely independent, uh, uh, qualified reinvestigation of the 9-11 attacks.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. And
1: uh, this is a good place to start it. So I hope Don will continue to have the fortitude and courage to do the right thing. I think he will. And he's got to push the government to make to that point of, of bristles to make him make a decision: do they prosecute and and let this all kind of fly, or do they cut a deal? And even if they cut a deal, I think uh, that that indicates to me then the government is folding its hand because they know that that it would go against them.
0: Right badly. now, let, now let me let me get your thoughts on this next question. Okay, all right. Um, but when the CIA tortured them, do you think? And this is a pretty bold question so I don't if I don't get a definitive answer do you think that the reason why they did that was so that the public cannot definitively know what the government had in terms of evidence you you know I
1: I, uh that's a great question but I I think based on my direct knowledge of that era uh there was this bloodlust Adam um, I talk about it in Dark Darkheart a little bit because I was offered uh, a role in co- Copper Green. I didn't. I don't think I called it that. I think it was, but th- it was Copper Green, which was the DoD interrogation program. And I'm telling you right now, people were using enhanced interrogation just because they could. I'm just telling you. And anybody who understands enhanced interrogation understands that if you start, once you start using it, they're going to eventually tell you something just to make you go away. Mm-hmm. There, there's no good. That comes from that there's and and despite the narrative put forward by the the cheney folks there was not a single shred of usable intelligence which was developed from the the torture nothing zero not a thing uh and again i've said i would not necessarily never use enhanced interrogation i've never felt the need to do it i'm kind of retired now so the chances are very unlikely that i'll ever have to but Those interrogations, which I have done and have done successfully, did not require any physical uh, manhandling or uh, torture. So uh, I I don't believe they did it to. uh, um, I don't think they did it to to um, spoil evidence. I don't think they did it for that purpose. I think they were just knuckleheads who wanted to torture, and I hate to say that that, but. I didn't, I wasn't in the CIA program, but I'm just telling you what I saw in the DOD program. If, if, if they were kind of of like minds, which I think they had a lot of the same thinking behind both programs. I think they just did it because they could.
0: I think you, I think you hit nail on the head because I interviewed uh, a Guantanamo detainee in Mohamedou Aoud Slahi. And there was a film named after him, the Moritarian and the things that he was telling me and that I've read this book uh, makes me, uh, and I'm unmoved. Usually I'm very unemotional, but, you know, the brutal nature the torture. They did myself, things
1: way worse than waterboarding. Well, just, which it's ridiculous. I'm just saying. And we didn't right. do, I mean, some of the stuff we did was bad enough that we DOD, but I'm telling you, CI was way worse, way worse.
0: Yeah, the, it was. I don't think it was close. I don't know where, like, the, the, I think it's just depravity on their part.
1: I agree. But and I, so that's why I don't think they had any plan to, 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 to uh. Spoil the evidence,
0: right? So, let me ask you, Anthony. Um, yeah, you're you're a busy guy. I mean, you are all over the place, you're hard to to track down, you're always on the move. What projects are you working on right now?
1: So, right now, we've launched a new think tank since we last spoke, Project Sentinel. Uh, Project Sentinel is a project, sentinel.net. People can look it up. We're basically trying to find a path back to constitutional governance.
0: Mm. We
1: believe that uh, Congress needs to grow a backbone and do, do a lot more. Uh, oversight and re- be responsible mm-hmm. of what's going on some of the 9 11 stuff we've talked about today adam uh, the, uh was uh, as a result of pressure from members of congress who i respect uh, C- uh, kurt weldon oh, sure. god bless kurt weldon for the right. able danger stuff he was uh, mm-hmm. completely threw his career away pushing pushing us across mm-hmm. the finish line yeah, yeah. uh my my late friend walter jones who eventually got oh, the goodness. 29 pages released uh, Louis Gohmert and others behind the scenes who have been adamant about trying to get stuff out. So I support Congress. Uh, they need to have more people with courage who are willing to do those hard things and force the federal government to give up information. And uh, so that's what Project Sentinel is looking at is how we can do that with Congress. And then obviously, uh, you mentioned uh, chain of command. We're doing some production stuff uh, relating to uh, uh, looking at how uh, DOD is doing things. And, and look, I bad mouth DOD all the time, but there are good men and women trying to do the hard work of protecting the nation. I always try to give them credit for for what credit's due. So we're working on that. And then um, just uh, doing things. We just did a thing on, uh, well, uh, Stephen Gardner is a great example of what I'm doing as well, where I'm just trying to educate public on national security issues, uh, big and small. And look, at him. I appreciate your courage and and your fortitude. I appreciate the fact you stuck with this. We need far more people to be curious about these issues that are un, that are unresolved. And that's part of what I do. Why I do what I do? I just want people to think I I don't care what they conclude, but they need to have the intellectual integrity to ask the question and demand answers. So that's that's what I'm up to.
0: You know. Um, I, you, you make me red faced, but uh, yeah, no, I, I look, I think your story needs to be told. I was very interested in your story years and years back. Um, I, I wrote an article based on, on Able Danger, got in touch with you, and I was very grateful that you came on the show. And um, and I, you know, I thank you again for coming back on sure. and discuss this most important issues uh, regarding the latest revelations. Uh, Anthony Schaefer, uh, London Policy Research Director, author of Operation Dark Heart. I'll link the book in the description. Thank you. Anthony, thank you very much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you, Adam. Good to be here. Thanks.
0: Thank you.